This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to The Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks and a move. I'm Corey Johnson. Today, we have episode number 150. Well, just ahead, a big fintech company finds new lines of business are possible thanks to millions of workers who are quitting their jobs. And is Restoration Hardware, RH, crazy to blame Russia for its weak results? and a digital media company finding a way around the privacy limitations from Apple and Facebook. We're going to talk to the CEO of Critio, Megan Clarkin. But first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. Never miss another critical event or insight ever with Era. Customize your company watch list and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's Era, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And you can listen to every Drill Down podcast, all 150 of them, you go to your favorite podcast platform. That can include iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn. And you can catch all the next shows, the upcoming shows, simply by clicking subscribe or perhaps with iTunes, maybe the plus button. Regardless, make that happen and you won't miss a single show. And the drill down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to the drill down. We've got business stories behind stocks and a move, and we've got Executive producer, Isaac Webster. Isaac, congratulations, episode 150. Yeah, well, congratulations to you. A big giant pat on our backs. Big milestone. Who knew? Yeah, or tap that microphone. It didn't sound like my back, did it? No. There you go. There you go. Yeah. It hurt my. Yo, congratulations. Too old the for po- shit. The podcast company that could. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Um, hey, we've got a lot of interesting stuff. Let's get going. Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today? I thought we'd start with Paychex, big uh, $43 billion um, payment company. Paychex trades under P-A-Y-X and shares have gained 38% in a year and steadily climbing higher since January. Uh, and at $137 a share, it's now trading just about at that all-time high of 138 Yeah, Paychex, big company, uh, as I mentioned, um, uh, I said 43, 49 billion, uh, including the rise in the stock that happened today as we record this show. After a big fourth quarter earnings, revenues up 15%, profits up 23%. So, you know, you like that when a company is really exhibiting leverage as it's growing really fast. But I thought what was really interesting about this company, not just that it's from Rochester, New York, just like me, but that this company is. As, we should uh, have a drinking game. Every time you mention that on the show, we just drink. I've been on the wagon. We can't just start with that much drinking. Uh, it'd be a hard fall off the wagon for me. But uh, um, interesting that they've launched a lot of new products into this 
um, really difficult time, you would think, for a company such as this. Strong economy, of course, but work from home has really changed um, the way things, the way that, that all companies do things. And uh, for these guys over the last two years, launching things like their Paycheck Flex program, their Apple Flex on the Apple Watch, you literally can get your payment information on your Apple Watch, log in hours that you're working, hours that you're not working from wherever you are, because increasingly that's not the office. Now throw in the issues of the great resignation, right? Where we have millions of people just deciding to retire early or quit their jobs in favor of other jobs or just quit their jobs completely and see what happens. What they're finding is that the issues of employee retention, therefore, for their customers, for Paychecks customers, are so much more important. And in as much as they can demonstrate to their customers, the companies that use Paychecks, that they're able to keep workers, employee retention better, that they're able to be more flexible with employees who want to log in and log off from wherever. And, and, and instead of having to go into the office and punch a time clock, they're able to punch that time clock on their wrist. It's a very different program for these guys. And they're finding that the distributed workforces that they are serving are finding that these new programs that Paychex didn't think they were going to be into, consulting and so on, are actually really helpful, not least of which the analytics around employee retention. Here's CEO Martin Mucci. I think we positioned ourselves well that from what the client is really feeling coming out of COVID, it opened up an opportunity like distributed workforces to say, let me tell you how powerful mobile, uh, the mobile app of Flex is. Look at how, you know, just take an example that uh, our, our head of product management did for uh, a team the other day, an investment team looking at products. You know, just the mobile app of time and attendance and how that works and how you can, of course, punch in and out, but how you can shift swap remotely, you know, alert them someone that you need, don't need this shift or you don't need that shift and open it up and take it. And all that's done on a mobile app for across employees. Very powerful, not to mention retention analytics and a lot of the analytics uh, work that we've given clients. So I think that I think long answer, I, I think we've opened up a lot more opportunities for us at a very perfect time to do that. So a perfect time to do that. I mean, they didn't get to choose this time, but they seem to be benefiting from the choices that they've made to expand their business and offer new offer, offer new products um, as they grow this business during this really weird time for work and for business. Corey, who does Paychex serve? Who are its customers? Well, they've tended to be more small businesses than their um, their big um, competitors, um, and you know they, they're. You know they've 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 really focused on that small and medium sized business that has been their bread and butter. Yes, they serve some much bigger companies, but um, uh, their their small and medium sized businesses have really have been the the the, um, the 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 main meal for this company. Corey, what is your next drill down? I want to look at a biotech company, IGM Biosciences, that reported a big announcement that I thought was really telling not just for this company, but really for a lot of companies in biotech uh, uh, in the situation they find themselves in right now. IMG Biosciences trades under IGMS and shares have dropped over 66% in a year and are trading just inches above its all-time low of 25.41. IGM, you said IMG, IGM Biosciences. Did I say that? IGMS. And not to be confused with IMG. Right. Very different kind of company. IGMS. So those IGM, shares have dropped. Yeah. 
um, is focused on, as the name might suggest, immunoglobulins. Um, immunoglobulins uh, are, of course, a, a very important antibody. Um, it is the largest, physically largest um, uh, antibody in, in, a, in uh, the human body. Um, they're developed during fetal development at 20 weeks. They're, they're so big molecularly, that's a word, so big that they don't pass um, through the placenta. Um, and, and they're considered a natural antibody and that IgM antibodies can be used to bind to specific um, uh, infections your body might be uh, getting attacked with and without having to be um, changed or added to your body. They're, re- they're there ready to fight. And this company is trying to find different ways to uh, artificially create these IgM, these immunoglobulin antibodies to fight cancer, um, and specifically blood cancers. So they've had some positive results. They announced a deal um, with Sanofi. But I thought what was really interesting about this deal wasn't just the suggestion of positive test results and more test results to come. They have yet to announce their earnings for the quarter. But they announced this deal with Sanofi that that fundamentally is going to get them paid more. And it's so important for these guys because like so many biotech companies, they're running out of cash. And the cash burn rate, I think, is going to be one of the really big stories uh, for this coming year in the world of biotech because you have so many companies that maybe did an IPO to get them through the first nine months um, uh, after an offering or or secondary offering, even something like that, even private financings that don't carry the companies very far. And what they're finding is that the the recently IPO'd biotech companies of 2021 have had a really crummy year in the public markets. And they might find themselves in a situation where they have not completed all the scientific testing that they need to, to get to market, but have to well, raise IGM a lot more money. not doing well. The, I mean, the stock is just yeah. really not doing well at all. Yeah, and indeed, it was up big on this announcement yesterday, then down big on some negative analyst comments afterwards, suggesting that the Sanofi deal wasn't as good as it could have been. But the bottom line is the bottom line. And can these companies get to a point where they get a bottom line and get some products on the market? Not not least of which is that later stage trials involve more people and are a lot more expensive than early stage trials. So companies that show some positive test results find themselves in this bind where, hey, great news. We've got to spend a ton more money now to do a later round test results. Nonetheless, uh, you can hear uh, in the call they had with investors, the chief financial officer um, of uh, IGM, uh, Ms. Tahir, talking about this agreement with Sanofi and how big a deal this is going to be for the company and how much of a greater, longer runway IGM has. Under the terms of the agreement, as well as our discussions with Sanofi, Sanofi will make a $150 million upfront payment to IGM after satisfaction of customary closing conditions, including HSR approval, which is expected to occur in Q2 2022. Sanofi has also indicated an interest in purchasing up to $100 million of our non-voting common stock in the proposed public offering announced this morning. These two elements, as well as incremental proceeds from the proposed public offering, combined with our existing cash and investments of $230 million as of December 31, 2021, are expected to give us over two years of cash runway. So yeah, $150 million up front 
more money on the back end and two years of runway gives these guys some breathing room that they just didn't have even at the beginning of this week. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of other companies looking to do deals in the biotech world. Those that don't do deals might just go away. It's interesting. Like what would IGM be doing if it didn't have a Santa Fe um, investor to swoop in like that? Yeah, could be a problem. Corey, what's your next drill down? Let's look at RH. You mean Restoration Hardware? No, they go by RH now. RH? But yes, I always think of them yeah. as Restoration Hardware. Yeah. Yeah, RH shares have fallen 44% in a year, now trading at 334. A far cry from their 52-week high of 744 at one point. RH was trading, but not anymore. At What's one point, on? I was short this stock in a personal account, but uh, uh, no more. Um no position whatsoever. Um, but the company reporting earnings, this, this is uh, the co the conference calls for this company are ridiculous to my eye and entertaining nonetheless. Um, they announced earnings for the fourth quarter, uh, earnings that met the lower end of their, their annual revenue outlook, which is constantly changing. Three big changes last year, even into December, the company is saying revenues will grow 32 to 33%. Um, tightening and raising slightly the midpoint. Well, it was only 32% uh, at $3.8 billion. Fourth quarter revenue up 11% to $900 million. But the uh, the CEO, Gary Friedman, colorful, odd, he started doing this trend of doing uh, video, taped video presentations of the earnings and results, sitting with an open white shirt before a fireplace with beads around his arms and and just not corporate CEO-like presentations. Um, well, they're out with a pretty bonkers excuse for their predictions, their dramatically lowered what, predictions of growth. What do I have around my arm right now? I don't know, handcuffs? No, those You're are in beads. LA, I can't see beads. you. Beads. All right. You're looking right at them. I thought it was a handcuff. Don't be making fun of bead-wearing guys. I thought it was an odd look for a CEO. I'm not saying for a podcast producer it's an odd look. From this distance, it could have been handcuffs. I don't know what kind of hijinks you got Listen, yourself it's into. A, it's a, it's a furni home furnishings company. Who cares what he wears? Oh, no, no, no. It's a lifestyle company. They've got, they've oh. got I went to the, actually was in, uh, found myself at the RH restaurant in the Outville up in Napa Valley uh, last week. It was packed. But that's not what uh, Gary Friedman, the CEO, said. His excuse for lowered growth in the coming year, and, and mind you, they have, of course, they were at the bottom end of their guidance for the most recent quarter, but he dramatically lowered guidance for the coming year, blaming Ukraine and not the shipping problems caused by the Russian uh, uh, aggression in Ukraine, Ukraine the Russian huh? war wow. against Ukraine. No, no, he's just saying that customers uh, are, have, uh, um, are spending less coinciding with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. This sounds nuts. This sounds very Gary Friedman. What, what could be less um, connected to buying expensive, stupid couches and driftwood furniture? Um, Ukraine? Well, here's Gary Friedman, the CEO of RH. Well, first quarter sales and margins trends remain healthy due to the ongoing relief of our backlog. We have experienced softening demand in the first quarter that coincided with Russia's invasion of Ukraine in late February and the market volatility that followed. We believe it is prudent to remain conservative 
until demand re trends return to normal and, are, and we are providing the following outlook for the first quarter of 2022. First quarter net revenue growth in the range of seven to 8% versus 78% last year with adjusted operating margin in the range of 23% to 23.5% versus 22.6% a year ago. Fiscal 2022 net revenue growth in the range of five to 7% versus 32% last year. So yeah, from 32% to about 6%. Eek, eek, yeah. Um, so yeah, the All stock things, plummeted yeah. on that, but maybe more to the point. Yeah, you just wonder about the excuses from this company saying that they, you know, they kept saying backlog, backlog, backlog. We've got all these orders. We can't possibly fill them because of supply chain issues. Now they're saying it has nothing to do with supply chain. It's, it's Ukraine. All right, well, coming up, let's talk about something other than Ukraine, but an interesting uh, development here. You know, we had these big um, changes in the privacy rules for um, Facebook apps for coming from Apple and so what does that mean for the world of online anything, understanding for customer businesses who want to understand their customers, want to know what who their customers are and what they're doing online? Well, Critio thinks it's figured out a solution with their new CEO, Megan Clarkin. Well, she's got a, a really interesting explanation about what they're doing to get around these privacy rules and actually provide some metrics and information to their customers. Critio CEO, Megan Clarkin joins us right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com, to learn more. All right, welcome back to the Drill Down podcast. We are joined right now by Megan Clark, and she's the CEO of Critio. Hey, um, Megan. How do you describe Critio? Critio like, what's the is cocktail a, party elevator description. <laughs> it takes a little bit longer than that. I'm going to try to do cocktail party. So it is uh, a commerce media company. So what we focus in on is using commerce data, so transactional data, to be able to better target audiences on media properties. And it's important that those media properties are both media outlets that we all know and love, but also on retail stores that are moving online. So we sell advertising on both online stores and on media outlets. And that's what we do. Um, so you match, you're kind of a, 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 not an ad agency, but really sort of a placement agency. Is that about right? Where, where the advertiser comes to you with the ad or something like the ad ready to find the audience and you can help them find the audience at the right Yeah, exactly. We help them find the audience. So we target the audience and we can retarget the audience as well. Just make sure that they get the ad to the right person in the right format at the right time on the right device. And better still, uh, we focus on making sure that that's a closed loop um, uh, in order to be able to measure as well and make sure that they understand the return on that investment, that it's not just an ad that's gone out into the ether, but it's an ad that's um, being targeted to a specific audience on a specific platform and measured. It's a big business. You guys did 2.2 billion in revenue yeah. last year and yeah. profitable revenue. Um, it's it's a, explain it. It's a French company, but I, I obviously I know your operations here in the U.S. You're in Miami right now. Yeah, yeah. It's a 2,700 people um, in about 27 countries. So it's a big. It's an ad tech company. 
So uh, by all measures, it's a big ad tech company. Um, yeah. It's, uh, we have 22,000 clients. Uh, so that's a lot that could nearly fill a football field with our clients. And I guess a couple of uh, points that just describe the scale is that we see about a trillion dollars worth of commerce transactions every day. That's about the size of what Amazon wow. would see. And we, have, we see about 600 and 685 million uh, unique um, impressions uh, on, um, on media, on websites, on browsers. So we're, we've got a lot of audience. We've got a lot of um, uh, impressions flowing through our, through our machines. When you say you see, what, do, what does that mean you see? Well, we, ser- we serve about 685 million impressions. So that's, that's the audiences that we have access to, if you like, every day. And okay, and then when you say you see, you see that sort of volume of commerce, what you're saying is that those ads lead to those many transactions. Correct. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, about a trillion dollars. It's uh, it's a it's a big business. Um, there, God, there's so much to talk about, but it, there has been so much change in this business around the issues of tracking uh, as it relates to Apple and now Google in different ways in terms of what they're willing to share. And I do think that it seems that there's a kind of a bifurcation in the market. Those that are going through those devices where, where, or, or those outside services where, as opposed to like an Amazon, where Amazon can advertise to a customer, have customer data and target that customer because they know that customer and what that customer is interested in shopping yeah. for. Um, and without touching or regardless of what device that person is using in Apple and Google can't shut that down. Yeah, but there's a lot, a lot of, of there's a lot of noise going around, which is making it difficult for the industry. But um, uh, there's well, help me understand it because I, I don't yeah. I don't really I mean I've seen some companies come out, uh, most notably Facebook, which said yeah we've got a way around this, and then a quarter later said yeah we don't have a way around this. This is this is really hurting us, and the stock uh, craters because credibility in the company has yeah. cratered. Yeah, um, I've had investors talk to me, and again this is not. I don't mean to focus on investors. I want to understand your business. But I have had investors say to me, those assholes at Facebook lied to us. They said they had a way around this and they didn't. Um, I, and, and full disclosure, I was a Facebook shareholder. So I, I uh, was one of those people who's got some bitterness there. But help me understand wh- what's happening here and, and what's real and what's not. Well, most, most of the industry uh, relies on signals that sit on the operating systems of owned by Apple and owned by Google. And what Apple have done is just shut those signals down. So Facebook and others are unable to use them, unable to um, track audiences um, using those signals. And Google have threatened to do right. the same thing, although they've pushed their dates out somewhat further. The key to it all is just what you said before, Corey, is being able to have access to first party data. So Facebook's own audiences, Google uses their own audiences. And they, so they're very much differentiated because they have access to a large audience base. What Critio is focused on is creating a network of audiences. So focused on everybody else, the open internet, and being able to pull first party data together to create a network effect, if you like, and not rely on signals coming from operating systems, but have retailers and brands be able to understand where consumers are through access to first party data, theirs and others. That's what our focus area is. So if if Corey Johnson is is shopping on Amazon and shopping on Target and shopping, uh, I'm sorry, shopping on the Porsche website, shopping at Louis Vuitton, 
Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to upscale myself right now. <laughs> I noticed um, that there's yes, nothing wrong with uh, Target. Target's <laughs> upscale as well. There's plenty wrong with Target, but uh, it's a separate story. Um, are you able to gather data on who I am, whether it's specific or aggregated, uh, across all those different sites? If I have access to it, and if you've given consent to use it, then I can do that. And but I those retailers, have- as customers of Critio, are willing to let you compare the same customers' Target data and Amazon data and Porsche data. If they're if they give me access to their data and it's consented data, and, and I have do. access to, and they do, and that's that's that I guess is the key to the business is we have access to all of that data set and able to pull together insights and enable Target to be able to sell its in-store promotional advertising spots to a brand that wants to advertise on Target. Now, I, I made those up sort of. I mean, you mentioned Amazon in your 10K, although you don't say if that's a customer actually specifically, but uh, uh, presumably it is or you wouldn't mention them. Are, th- are those the kinds of companies we're talking about that share their customer data with you? Yeah, so our retail media business is, t- is the top 25 retailers uh, across the US and across Europe, and they share their data with us because we provide um, services to them to be able to support advertising on their own properties. And so they just share their data with us in order for us to know who to target and when. So they, they're a mini version, I guess, of what you're calling a Facebook or a Google they're just um, more scaled down than those two properties at this point in time. And so they're happy to share the data because what we do is provide a better experience for them to sell their advertising assets and attract more brands. Well, surely they want to get the, to the scale that Amazon and Facebook totally. has. And this is, or a had. Key, this is a key to it as well as big because right now a large retailer doesn't necessarily want to just rely on Amazon because they're competing with them. So if they have access to an alternate platform, which is Critio, they uh, allow us to have access to their consented data, then now they can compete more effectively against Amazon and not have to use them as a provider. It, it, it's an interesting time too, because I think we've, we've just gone through a, a decade where all advertising really migrated to Google and Facebook. And that was kind of the end of the game. And, you know, you could, you, there were other, everyone else was selling advertising, the drill on podcast included, would argue otherwise. But really the shift, and I, I know I grew up in a world of magazines. There used to be a thing called a magazine. And, <laughs> yeah. and I used, grew up at Time Incorporated. And we used to make a lot of magazines and sell a lot of ads. And that business and many others just completely dried up because of the ad spend shifted to the two places that said that they could measure it. Um, and I wonder if that is crumbling. Well, I think it's the format uh, that's worth looking at. It's not necessarily, um, you know, magazines crumbling because of um, ads not going to magazines. So don't go to magazines because the format doesn't work anymore. Or there's a better place to get a better return on investment in digital advertising. I come from Nielsen, so I've been sort of lent into TV linear advertising for years. Right. And even though it's been said that that's going away, it's really sort of, you know, held its own. It's, um, there's a growth in advertising happening in other areas. What's really key for Critio's uh, future is that there's a third wave coming in terms of advertising. The first was in advertising on search, second on social. The third is on commerce media, and that's coming thick and fast as retailers bring their stores, their bricks and mortar stores online 
And so with it comes the trade marketing spend and the ability for them to actually monetize those stores and, adver and advertising in those stores. So it's just, it's just a shift as consumers shift and uh, commerce media is the next wave. And so it, you, you see that as a shift away from the Facebooks and Googles because of why? Well, I see, I see it as, I, you know, it's not necessarily away from Google. Let's speak about Google for a second. I mean, they're very effective at what they do. So is Amazon, very, very effective at what they do. But as I just said before, in terms of Amazon, other retailers, you know, while they might need to invest in Amazon at the moment or brands invest in Amazon at the moment, they don't necessarily, if there was an alternative there that was uh, that didn't cannibalize their business or they weren't competing against them or they got better return on their investment, then they would shift their monies onto that platform into that new style of advertising. So, you know, like you, I've been around this mill for a long, long time and the money just moves around. What's really, yeah. really exciting now is that as more and more commerce comes online um, is the trade marketing dollars, which as you know, the, 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 they're, they're way bigger than any advertising dollars we've ever, ever seen. So this trade sort of marketing, spend, B2B, whatever you want to call it, yeah. Yeah, and so promotions and couponing and all of this stuff comes online with it is that marketing spend. And that's really exciting opportunity. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got to agree. I think that uh, that digital media has not caught up with the demands of people in business. Right. That people in, in the trades, in business, whatever, they want to know a lot more about their businesses and they're, they're, the cranes of the world sort of never followed us onto online. And so people who work in industries don't really have good sources of information about those industries still. Um, where do you see that coming from? Uh, look, I, you know, I, I think that money, money talks <laughs> that when, when, I'll agree. whenever I've seen an experiment that's gone really well, um, and, uh, it's resulted in a massive return on investment. I mean, Walmart, let's look at Walmart. They, uh, they moved a big focus onto Walmart media. Uh, so they've done that now for the last half a, half a dozen years. They've finally sort of published how much that means to them in terms of it's a $2 billion business to them. So if you're well, a competitor Walmart to media? Walmart, Walmart Media, so that's their media properties or even the Walmart sites, which they're attracting brands to advertise on. Right. They see that as content as much as CNN or ESPN see football games as content. Walmart have their own content and it's meaningful revenue. So money talks. So as these things uh, start to take hold, then others follow. Uh, and so this is why we believe it's the, uh, the third wave of advertising commerce media, because others will and are following. It, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's interesting. The, I, I would argue the quality of that media is just garbage. It's just so it's self-promotional. It's not informative. It's not independent in any way. But it's what passes for media right now, especially in the, for the business press. I mean, the, the, the idea that the business press has been replaced by self-serving Walmart content for $2 billion a year tells you everything about where we are as a society and news. But it's interesting that Critio has got this role kind of in the middle of all this where you're yeah. positioned to benefit from this. How, how might we measure that as Critio reports results and tells the story over, the, over time? Well, growth, growth speaks volumes. Uh, I've been on board now for just over two years. I came into the company, it was a retargeting company, so a single right. product shop, and have pivoted it over the last two years into 
uh, a commerce media platform, which last year we posted for the first time double digit um, growth results. Um, so I think just continue to watch the space as we um, do what we say we're going to do, which we're, we've been consistently doing now for the last two and a half years. We have a very high say-do ratio. We're going to chip away a very high at this what ratio? I call it a, a say-do say do ratio. We do what we <laughs> say we're going to do. And, uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's proving to be, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to put up, you know, wild stories about, well, I'm just going to say what we're going to do and then do it. So I think just look for the results and, um, uh, and just watch the space as, as we execute against our vision. I guess I'm thinking more in terms of metrics outside of top line and bottom line metrics, you're a profitable company. Um, I, have to, I should say that because so many of the companies we have on to talk about profits, like, huh, why would we do that? That then you got to pay taxes or something. Um, but what are the metrics that show that it's working besides top line and bottom line? Uh, the amount of clients that we move on to our platform. So we're still moving from, um, well, no, actually, I think there's a, there's a top line, bottom line that's really important. And that is the transformational story is the movement from the legacy business to the new solutions. And I've been reporting that since I came on board about the shift right. in the profile of the mix of the company uh, from what it was to where we're going. Um, and I think just continuing to watch that space um, is the right way to look at the business. I'd rather be laser focused on the key metrics that make sense to our business than try to spread ourselves too broad, trying to do too many things. It's a new world for us. Um, it's a really exciting one and we're going to get it right. What was it about the retargeting business that was so limiting? I mean, the outside world changed, of course, but. It was mostly around cookie, uh, the cookie um, deletion or, or the cookies going away from Google. Um, it, it made, it, it uh, sent some sort of shockwaves, I think, through advertisers in terms of um, whether or not they thought that there, it was a sustainable way to do performance marketing. And, um, and so uh, it sent them away for some time. Now, the interesting thing, Corey, is that last year they came back. So we actually showed growth for the first time in retargeting, which makes sense to me because uh, it does work. It's not, you know, and it's, it's a proven quality. Well, it um, works for advertisers. So the question was always whether it worked for consumers. I would argue that it did, that consumers would rather see ads that were contextually relevant than the ones that weren't. Totally, but, yeah. But I think I understand the notion of privacy too. Yeah, and then nobody, you know, you've got to do it. If you do it, you've got to do it well. So the notion also of having, you know, seen the same shoes for two years following you around the internet is not the way to do it. And that's not what we do. But uh, coming up against sort of the, the um, uh, you know, delighting consumers is, uh, is part of the retargeting game if you're going to do it properly. Um, so that's, that remains part of your business. But as, as this new business grows for you, um, are, do you end up relying on certain retailers? Obviously, Amazon and Target, I mentioned earlier, are very big companies when it comes to sort of slices of the uh, revenue pie. <laughs> Uh, not really. So we have the top end of town and we're very, very focused on the top sort of 25 where we are at the moment because we're developing a commerce media platform. Um, and platform players, as you know, are more a little, little bit more of a SaaS model. So getting it right, making sure that it's customizable enough that that's a sustainable business model. 
but then um, uh, making sure that we can also serve at a more self-service level the middle part of uh, the core, I guess, of, of retailers is important to us as well. So we're, we're playing both parts at the moment um, and looking for um, uh, to very, very quickly build out that platform with both a service, um, an SSP and a DSP um, technology stack, if you like, to be able to have a uh, white label, you know, eat all, eat all you can model for the, for, the, for the retailers at the top end of town, but have something that's um, achievable for, for those retailers that sit in the core. Do you look at Facebook and Google as competitors? Uh, Google definitely, uh, not not so much on the Facebook side, no. But Google definitely uh, for all, the all parts of our business. Although Google are not doing retail media or commerce media, but definitely on the targeting and retargeting side, they're very strong. And not Facebook. Why? Uh, they're less of a technology play. They have a they have content, if you like. They have very compelling content and. Facebook are much more. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen Instagram. I'm a big fan. It's got pictures and everything. It has got pictures. Good pictures. <laughs> uh, they, I mean, they have what a hundred million clients. Or they're they're a long tail. They're a different. They're they're a different um, uh, business model to us. Um, well, it's it's really fascinating to watch the turnaround at Critio and watch the growth reemerge from a business that really got punished there with what I used two two plus years ago. Um, it's been interesting to see the turnaround and one we'll keep an eye on. Yeah, thank um, you. Megan Clarkin is the CEO of Critio, and we appreciate your time. When the drill down continues, we'll have one number that tells us a whole lot about Critio with the drill down bite right after this. The drill down is brought to you by ERA. With ERA, give yourself an information advantage. Connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's ERA, A I E R A dot com. And if you're out and about or perhaps wandering around your home, you can listen to the Drill Down Podcast on your smart speaker. Just say to that smart speaker, hey, Alexa, if it happens to be an Alexa, Alexa, play the Drill Down Podcast. You'll hear our latest show. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. All right, we're back with the drill down bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot. And this issue of digital advertising is one that's dear, near and dear to our hearts. It's what pays the bills here at the at the drill down of the Business Podcast Network. Um, an interesting business that's going through great big changes, and these guys are a great big business. How big? Well, it's not just the one trillion in online sales transactions that these guys had. They delivered, and here's your number, 1.8 trillion targeted ads in 2021, Isaac. So that is so many. It's just, ads. it's, it's mind boggling. <laughs> 1.8 trillion ads. Um, and, and that led to over a trillion dollars in online sales transactions that they measured for their clients during the calendar year. So uh, fantastic year for these guys while they're going through this huge transition um, of adding new business units um, and, and then the CEO transition they've gone through. But clearly, um, an interesting business for Critio. One point. Yeah, and they just have interesting insight into consumer behavior. Um, you know, I was real. I was really fascinated by the conversation. And how about the CEO who splits time between Miami and Paris? Hey, that's the life we all want. That ain't right? half bad. All right, 
Yeah. Well, we appreciate your time wherever you are, including if you're in Miami or Paris. We're not. Los Angeles, Portland, San Francisco, a little bit of New York sprinkled in there once in a while. No Miami, no Paris. We got to fix that. Not so bad. Not so not bad. Not so bad, nonetheless. Are you been listening to Drilled On Podcast? We appreciate your time. Isaac Webster is our executive producer. Ben Wilson has edited this fine podcast. Maybe you should have counted some more parts. What do you think? Like this one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right, the Drilled On production of the Business Podcast Network.